Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cinema Joes, the podcast where three average Joes discuss the significant topics in movie culture. My name is Justin, and I am joined here by Alex. Hey, Alex. Hi, Justin. <laughs> Hello. There seems to be a, a bit of a, uh, a sadness in your voice today. This movie is breaking my heart. <laughs> oh, boy. That's, uh, wow. That's something I haven't heard in a long time. Before we get to what you're hinting at, let's introduce our other guest. We're here with Noah. Hey, Noah. Yes. Yes, <laughs> Alex. Give in to your hate. <laughs> Well, the hate In fine tradition, we are betraying our hands, as usual, uh, with (laughs) our opinions before we even introduce (laughs) this episode, which we'll be discussing Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. J.J. Abrams returns to the director's helm. Yay. And... That's where the problems begin. No. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing on this episode. This is a special bonus episode where we'll just be talking about that film and possibly how it relates to other films in the series. But, yeah, here we are, guys. 2019, the capper, not just of this trilogy, but of the, I don't know, nonilogy. I don't know what to call it. It's a trilogy of trilogies. Sure. The trilogy. But here we are. I guess what I wanted to start with, uh, since I have a guess of where we all are on this film, is what did you like about this movie? So it's funny that you ask me that, because when I saw it for the second time with my niece, she asked me the same thing, and I really struggled to find something to say to her. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to be super negative, because she seemed to like it a little bit. Um, not a ton. She often asked me if it was going to be over soon while we were watching it. So I don't think she liked it as much. Wait, mm. she asked to leave? Well, she kept saying, is it almost over? And it was not almost over. Not even a little bit. <laughs> and she wanted to know what there was to like about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't want her to have a fully like negative experience. So I tried to come up with something. And I think what I ultimately came up with was that I still think the cast in this film is very good and they do their best with the material to try to really make it into something that's compelling. Uh, I don't think that they're very effective in that, but I think that they try really hard and I really appreciate their efforts. Also, also Babu Freck is really funny. So, yeah, (laughs) I think there is not any major casting choice in the new trilogy. That was bad. Yeah. As opposed to the, the prequels where, a lot of the casting or just the utter lack of chemistry between the characters was a huge reason why the prequels are so painful to watch now. That is never a problem in these movies. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with you guys on, on the casting here. Um, I actually would credit a lot of them with being the reason why I did feel as invested as I did. Granted, some of that came from just how strong they were in much better movies in the series. Uh, so they were kind of riding the goodwill of that, I suppose. But but here, too, I think there's some really just just the way that they're able to sell a lot of these emotions, even if I find some of those emotions not quite earned. You know, I was at least impressed by and, and felt invested in. I still cared about these characters, even as they made some decisions that I don't 
think were true to their characters. And I think that's a real credit to the performers. In terms of other things that I liked, I like the imagery here. I think this, this film looks great pretty much from start to finish. I loved certain images that stood out to me were the uh, those like roiling waves. Um, I can't remember the name of the planet. But it's where the the ruins of the Death Star. It's in the Endor system, so yeah, that to me was really compelling. Just because I don't feel like I've I've seen something quite like that in a Star Wars film before. This real like organic quality to that that I just was you know I think in a in a film that's so so defined by spacecrafts and and interstellar cities and that sort of thing. It was nice to see this much more natural kind of phenomenon and I think that I think that was pretty cool so I and I I like certain touches on Exegol with the 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 sort of shimmer on the Emperor's face I at least appreciate the sort of mood that creates so I think there was some really I think there were some strong moments here my problem is I don't know if those moments really to me added to the film's narrative or if anything they stood out from it as opposed to complementing or enhancing it. I really liked the way that they just kept making us think that people died and then like oh no never mind they're not dead anymore. That was like a super fun um choice. No, it wasn't. That was really annoying. Yeah. That was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should have said at the beginning that we this is going to be a spoiler-filled review. Because most people have seen it, and if you haven't seen it, just do yourself a favor and don't. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that comes up, and the whole thing with Chewbacca just was like such a such a waste. And maybe that speaks to a, a greater problem with this film to me. It's just like, there's such a lack of tension in this movie. Like just the stakes just do not seem very high at any point. There's just, there's yeah. never a doubt that things are going to work out. And I think that's a real problem. So like, here's like, here's what my biggest issue with the film is. The, they inherited all of these really interesting characters with really interesting character dynamics and relationships to each other. And instead of making a movie about that, they chose to make a movie where no one ever talks to each other and instead they're constantly running from one place to another to get a thing that doesn't matter so that way they can get to the next thing that doesn't matter and then they can find the other thing that end up, ends up not mattering and it's like <laughs> they create they this movie has tons of tension it has tons of tension in all stuff that doesn't matter and is not based in character at all or even really the story that we had been seeing up into this point all of the tension is like we have 16 hours before the emperor strikes back again and and so we have to find this one thing, which will lead us to the next thing, which will lead us to the next thing. And then we'll go find the other thing. And it's like all of it is so artificial and superficial and just impossible to engage in because it just feels like you're just watching like a, a bad video game run through the whole time. And yeah. when <laughs> when you have this incredible basis, like with all of these characters that all you have to do is just like make the movie be about the characters. Like, I don't understand why that's so difficult. What's kind of funny about that is that that criticism of that, uh, a, a lot of this from story is just go here, get MacGuffin, in order to go there and get the other MacGuffin, in order to, you know, insert it into the keyhole and enter the secret room, et cetera, et cetera. And that'll lead to another that, clue, and that'll lead to another what, clue. Well, exactly. So that that whole dynamic, which is uh, the bulk of this movie's narrative, that is essentially the same thing as the Canto, the whole Canto bite side story from The Last Jedi, which 
a lot of people consider to be the worst part of that movie, or at least the the least strong part. But so I've seen this. I've seen this said before, and I actually reject that. I I don't agree. I don't agree with that argument. Like let let me make that clear. Oh, okay. I I think I think the Last Jedi holds up uh, in every way, just astonishingly well. But the Canto Bite sequence was one of the most frequently criticized parts of the Last Jedi. So it's sort of weird that they were like. Hmm, okay, so this part was uh, the most criticized, was one of the most uh, derided parts of the last movie. So let's take that part and make it the whole next movie. Well, so here, there's just there's an irony there. So, so two things. One, I don't agree that it's the that it's similar really in any way to the Canobite stuff because the Canobite they go to one place to get one thing and then they go to the ship to to make it work, right? And that is. All of that is just an excuse for Finn to see another side of the world to, and for the audience to get a chance yeah. to see this larger context of the universe. And Finn learns that there is like it helps underscore the thematic points of there being shades of gray and that this kind of idea of ultimate evil and ultimate good is kind of uh, not real and that there's a lot of moral complexity in this universe just like there is in all universes and it also is there for Finn to slowly come to realize that he's committed to not just Rey but to the cause here none of these things amount to anything it's just a way to kill time because ultimately what the screenwriter cares most about is getting to that big climax where you know Ben Solo reemerges and helps Rey defeat the emperor and so what do you do for the first well, 90 minutes well you have to undo everything that happened in the first in the second movie in the last jedi so so you take about 20 minutes to just undo all of that stuff uh to reset the status quo and then you just run around from place to place for a while to kill time uh before it's time for the big uh end of second act climax and it's just terrible it's terrible screenwriting and it just is it just wastes so much potential like I'm fine if they wanted to go in a different direction from where the the last Jedi left off. Like I think what's cool about the last Jedi is that it really ends with kind of a blank slate. It's like okay, we know that Kylo Ren is there. He's in charge of of the the Empire again, and uh, and he is a morally conflicted person, but he has mm-hmm. definitely chosen to embrace the dark side. And we have Rey and Leia and all of the rebels, and they're small and scrappy and they're not quite defeated yet but there's a spark that's been cast in the galaxy to inspire others to rally the cause they're the spark that's gonna light the fire that's gonna burn down the first order exactly and that's like a very wide open setup you can tell any kind of story i don't know why they chose to do an adventure quest for 90 minutes and then and then this like ridiculous kind of like regurgitation of the return of the Jedi in the in the last Well act. that's what it is. It's not just it's not just an adventure quest. It's an adventure quest that specifically just goes back just just basically tries to cram all of the previous movies back into itself as opposed to doing something genuinely different to groundbreaking. Yeah, it was interesting watching like that first hour to hour and a half kind of being like this is fun i guess but where what is it what does this movie want to be right now i think that was my big question at at that point was just kind of being like okay i understand like 
I guess this is like there's there's some fun moments, there's some fun banter and that sort of thing. If you just take it like kind of devoid of the other movies, but at the same time, it's like, well, what how, what does this have to do with the past movie? What kind of movie does this want to be? And then as I saw it go along and what is what it's trying to do with Ray and I guess to a lesser extent with Kylo Ren, I just felt like, is this just here just to kind of get us back into the more swashbuckling moments of Star Wars? Like, is that kind of what we're going for here? Like to draw upon our more thrill-seeking impulses? Like, I, I don't know. It just, it was one of those things where at the time I was like, I was like somewhat interested, but over, especially as you see how it fits into the larger movie, especially now having some distance from the film, I would say just like on a larger, I would say as I've had more distance from this film, I've liked it less and less. In the moment, I feel like it was one of those things like, okay, this is like somewhat interesting. I don't really know what I'm, what this has to do with the things that have been established in the previous movies. But I think having that distance from it now, I feel like, to me, it feels like even more of a disappointment <laughs> because it just feels like mm. all this stuff that was just kind of there to, I hate to say it, but to do what they thought would please the fans, whatever that is, which in my opinion is not a good impulse to have as a creator. Yeah, for, for all of – there are many individual or, or aspects of the film, uh, both in terms of the casting, uh, moments of great filmmaking in terms of the the effects and the technical side. There are a lot of uh, individual parts of the film that I think are, are very good. I think there are, indi there are certain individual moments in every Star Wars film that you know have that, that spark to them. But where it really counts, the movie makes a number of crucial thematic and uh, narrative decisions that are just bad decisions, and that just just shoot itself in the foot, ultimately. This is not a, a bad movie because it's a poorly made train wreck from start to finish. It's a bad movie because at certain key parts of it where it could reach for greater heights, like it instead uh, chooses to like scoop down and scrape the barrel of the bucket and be like, Look, we brought back Ian McDormand. <laughs> I and I'm like, yeah. yes, yes, thank you. His Ian McDormand's Palpatine is a national treasure and is a, a world heritage for the human race. But still, <laughs> we didn't need it. Wow. He f he fell down a giant shaft and then blew up. Like, there's no way that he would be back. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, there's no, there is no logical way, even within a fantasy universe about space wizards, to have that and to not just have that break any sense of meaning or consequence to your universe like like people always say oh but it's a fantasy world anything can happen well yes but it's only a meaningful and like lasting and impressive fantasy world when it sets certain boundaries and holds itself to those boundaries right and so i do want to say that i actually disagree with you a little bit noah i think that it's honestly worse than that i don't i think that this is just a completely flawed movie from the start it's not just that in key moments they make poor choices. I think that the entire construction of this film is a bit of a disaster. The whole adventure quest part of the movie does an extremely poor job of like, never mind, like building off of the first two movies in the trilogy. It does an extremely poor job of just setting up the ultimate climax to this movie. Like it just, it's very ineffective in having Ray learn about her origins and have an emotional reaction to it. And that will bring us to the conflict with the emperor because it just basically hap like they run to a place 
a thing happens. Then they run to another place, a thing happens, and then Kylo Ren pops up out of nowhere. He's like, Ray, I need to talk to you about something. And then they fight, and then they run to another place, and then uh, Kylo Ren pops up, and he's like, Ray, I need to talk to you about something. And then they fight. And then it's like, it's so, and in, in between, Kylo Ren just exposition dumps all of the important and stuff that Ray needs to learn. And then she has a moment where she gets to like have a like some sort of reaction to it, but you don't really get to like experience that with her. You don't get to have her sit with it because there's this clock. It's 16 hours until until the whole universe blows up for some reason. And so you don't have time for any of that. And like Finn tries to talk to her and like she doesn't talk to him and no one talks to anybody in this movie ever outside of like uh one minute dialogue scenes which is just insane so yeah i think it's like very Mm. poorly constructed from the start and i think it's a bad movie i don't think it's just not good for star wars i don't i think part of what's bad about it is like a lost potential because these characters were so rich and their dynamics with each other were so interesting that you could have done something really cool i i think it's also just a genuinely bad film yeah i mean all right listeners thanks for coming (laughs) (laughs) I guess like we do see that one bit where oh my gosh Ray can use force lightning which is like okay and I guess it's supposed to tie into her relation to Palpatine but well but that's not like maybe it's just an old universe like maybe the the new canon establishes that oh only Palpatine created lightning with the force but no like- because Count Dooku does it in in the prequel movies and those are still canon. Exactly. And in the the old extended universe, Force Lightning was like it was the basic Sith move for any Dark Force user. Like if you turn to the dark side, the first thing you did was you started shooting lightning out of your fingers. Like this wasn't unique to Palpatine. And that's a great example of a moment where it, on it were the idea of having that like Ray taps into um a power that brushes up against the dark side without realizing it and causes some harm and like kills or hurts someone who is important to her. That's a great idea. That idea can work. And in that moment where even the audience is like supposed to think that uh, Chewbacca, who spoiler, um, it's not a spoiler because he's not dead. <laughs> Just like everyone else in this movie. Even if even <laughs> like we're all supposed to think in that moment that Chewbacca actually has died. Daisy Ridley sells it like that's I think that's one of her best moments of acting in the entire film like she reacts the way I would expect her character to react and is filled with horror and that sets up a lot of potential for her to like you know really have to stare into the mirror and and come to terms with something awful and it sets up a plausible path for us to have the uncertainty of oh this is some heavy shit maybe Ray can't pull through this and maybe she is going to fall like that's that's a perfect setup for you know character development for a storytelling uh for for narrative in terms of you know is ray gonna pull it together in time and all that you can create tons of tension out of that and the movie sets that up and then almost like i think within five minutes punts on it yeah because that would require them to make a choice with an actual point of view and perspective and like with an intent on telling a story, which they just don't do in this movie. Every time you think that they're going to take a chance yeah. and they're going to make, whether it's a chance that you're like, like if you love Chewbacca, I'm like, no, I don't want him to die like that. That would be a terrible way to end his character. Fine. But they, they don't even like, they won't 
challenge you in any way with this film. The only way that they will challenge you is by saying that Ray is actually a Palpatine, which is so boring and dumb. Like, that's just the most boring and dumb yeah. way to resolve a problem that was already resolved in the first place. Outside of that one thing, yeah. they don't make any choices through this whole film. Like, they even have the whole, like, they even drop a line where it's like, oh, yeah, it was too, it was too bad that Luke Skywalker's sacrifice on crate didn't mean anything because no one actually rallied around us. And then later they're like, oh, but now everybody's rallying around us. Like, well, wait, yeah. what? Why? <laughs> At their most desperate hour. Yeah. Like, now that, now that everybody knows that they're definitely going to die, now they come, but they didn't come when, when <laughs> Luke did that thing that was super inspiring and actually gave people hope. Like, I don't, what? <laughs> Especially, it's like Leia personally pleaded with everyone in The Last Jedi, and now it's like, oh, it's Lando. Yeah, Luke and Leia, who are like these <laughs> titans of the galaxy, put it all on the line, had this epic thing, and no one was rallied around it. And then, like, Lando shows up with the Millennium Falcon, and just like, hey guys, come follow me! And everybody's like, alright, cool, we'll go to this place that is impossible to navigate to. <laughs> yeah, it's like, who's Lando when compared to, you know, Leia Solo? <laughs> But it's because they don't want to because they don't want to commit to the idea that like nobody would come and they don't want to commit to the idea that everybody came. And now the whole and now like the whole movie, it's a game change because it actually worked. So instead, they just sit in the middle and like it's extremely unsatisfying. And that's the case for everything in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like even with the race stuff, it's like, well, she was her family chose to be no one because they didn't want. Palpatine to find out so she kind of was no one but then also she was somebody really important but then also she doesn't want to be that person and then also she's kind of a Skywalker it's like they just refuse to make choices that like actually decide things they just live in this unpleasant middle ground with everything yeah. that happens in this movie <laughs> just so that way they don't piss anybody off and it just pisses everybody off especially because going that route of oh Ray was a Palpatine and her parents tried to hit her it is so mind-bogglingly nonsensical to insist that Palpatine was so smart and so powerful and so thoroughly connected that he could deceive the Old Republic and the Jedi at the same time and somehow had a whole system set up uh, to create clone slaves and to, like, somehow inject his life force in a way that, like, he could survive a Death Star exploding, yada, yada, yada. But... When his own child tells him, screw you, and, like, vanishes off the face of the map, he is not able to, like, immediately track them down. Right. It's so mind-boggling <laughs> that, like, it almost it almost breaks me trying to think about how that could possibly make sense. It, it, does, it doesn't make any sense. It's just a stupid idea. If you want to say Palpatine is so powerful that he can literally survive anything and has been hiding away, pulling the strings, you know, anyway, for a whole other generation... But he was wholly unable to figure out what his son did. Like, and why would his son not be super force powerful? Like, do these things skip generations? Yeah, well, and that's the other thing. It's like, it's it all matters who your parents are, except it didn't matter for him who his parents were. Like, the, like it just doesn't make any sense. But I was listening to the Slash film cast, and they brought up an interesting point, which is that this is a film that cannot withstand the question why at any point. And I think that that is very true. Like, this movie just does not stand up to mm -hmm. scrutiny. Whenever you ask a question of why X is happening, it just doesn't have a good answer. And oftentimes it feels like they didn't even think about trying to have an answer. Like, there's no level of 
interior logic beyond the most superficial. And that just sucks for a movie that for a movie universe that has a lot of depth and interesting nuances to it and has this rich tapestry and everything that happens in a movie gets spun off and sequelized. And like there's this in-depth, like there's a comic book backstory and there's a video game, this and like this is a universe that lives off of as a rich text for further development. And in this movie, it's just like, oh, we we just we just did it because we had to get through the scene. And it's just like really disappointing. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about just how unsatisfying any of these like like especially with Ray, I just the whole thing about her being related to I guess I it was just one of those things where this is a film that still seems to think that just your being related to somebody is part of like what determines your destiny. And yeah, which is so strange after setting up like the kind of person that Ray was and how she had this history of abandonment and all this other stuff. And then to add this thing where it's like the only thing that matters is that she's evil because she, she could turn to the dark side because she's related to Palpatine. And that's why she has all this power. But you set up in these earlier films like her like very hard scrabble life like prepare like may have paved the way for some of this stuff and like i feel like it's just indicative of the fact that there doesn't appear to have been someone with like a grand plan for these three movies i think it's clear there was not and i felt that a little bit with with last jedi but like in a good way <laughs> i was like oh we're doing this is like you know this is like i could see how this could sort of relate to the other film but it's also kind of twisting it in a new direction and here it just kind of made me think there was really no one sort of driving the ship here they were just kind of like okay oh now we're in this place uh okay how do what do we do now is there a world where uh, Colin Trevorrow is not booted from the project and he embraces the, the setup left open by The Last Jedi and we get a much better, more satisfying conclusion? I think that it's important in our criticism to be fair to the people behind the camera in saying that they were really given a very difficult challenge in that the entire third movie was built around Princess Leia and a lot of really important character beats and emotional arc moments were built around her character. And then Carrie Fisher, mm. unfortunately, passed away before the filming could begin. And they were forced to, under a very, very short timeline, re just basically scrap the entire script. Like, apparently the shortest production schedule yeah. of the three films. Yeah, because oh. they because they had to scrap basically almost everything they, that they had in pre-production and just start fresh with a new script that would be able to be workable without having a major presence for Carrie Fisher. And then apparently even after that, some of the scenes that they had planned for Carrie Fisher were had to be cut uh, because they just weren't able to get the technology to do what they were hoping it would do, according to screenwriter Chris Terrio. So they really had a very mm. short amount, a very short window to entirely rewrite a movie that had a clear direction. And I think that that's what this movie feels like. It feels like something that was done mm. on the fly, under the gun, with that, with limited uh, mm. amount of time to really consider follow through and like to have the kind of depth that we are used to from these movies and i think that it really shows so it's not that i think that the, everyone who makes who is responsible for making this movie is just these like incredibly inept people who have no talent and who had no foresight and didn't realize what they were doing and like they didn't plan anything out and everything i think it's that they did have an idea of what to do and that movie may have been 
great, but it had to have starred Carrie Fisher. And as soon as that happened, then they had to rewrite everything. And then they were rewriting it right when all of the backlash to The Last Jedi was happening. And I think there was probably mm-hmm. pressure either externally or internally to do something that would like alleviate a lot of those feelings that the fans were having in that moment. And, you know, that was difficult. If if you're trying to write a, a pleasing send-off film following a movie that the fandom was split on where some people loved things about it and other people hated those very same things. Uh, that's just an impossible task. And so I think what the better thing to do would have been to just drill down and tell a story that they really wanted to tell, mm. but they didn't well, do they, that. Yeah. They ended up pleasing nobody. Yeah. I think, I think that to answer your real question, I don't think that a Colin Trevorrow film would have been necessarily better than this film what i think that would have happened is if they had been if they had been fair to the filmmakers and delayed production after carrie fisher's death and given them a year to actually write the script i think that we would have gotten a much better movie even with all of these other things like even with this like kind of need to try to not alienate certain fans and to to address a lot of those things i think if they were given more time they would have been able to square that circle much more effectively mm. just because i mean i like jj abrams i think that he's a talented filmmaker i liked the force awakens a lot i like many of his other films and i like a lot of his tv properties i'm not someone who like is a jj hater the way that some people are i think that he can be very very effective at creating moments of intrigue and excitement and at building stories around compelling characters um, while ha- and his films always have an exciting energy to them. And this was just, I just don't think this had enough time to cook and it really, really shows. What do we think of what they did do with Carrie Fisher <sighs> knowing beforehand the extreme limitations that they had? Like, should they have just... Did they do 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 you guys feel that they did the best that they could or should they have just dropped it and said, Mm. nope, Leia passed away off screen between movies as a result of her injuries from being blasted out into space? I thought it was awful. I, Hmm. I thought that it really, really didn't work. I didn't like how there were definitely certain scenes where you could tell, even if you didn't, I don't know, like there's so many scenes of her just in one shot like isolated and it just was one of those things where i understand why they maybe needed to do that but it was like very noticeable mm-hmm. so just from a just from that perspective but i i almost feel like once we got to the point where she makes this last minute message to her son which apparently completely changes him it almost to me felt like the movie saying like yeah this is where we couldn't really do anything else and yeah so here we go. It just kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. Like, oh, apparently she's going to make this huge sacrifice now. Or like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. It, it was. It was honestly, in my opinion, it was incoherent. And I mean, a lot of people online have come up with many different things that happened in that scene, which I think proves how incoherent it was. And that's maybe the most <laughs> important moment in the entire trilogy. And for it to be so completely incoherent, because I understand, like they don't have, they don't have the actress. She's not, she's not alive anymore. How can they film a scene where she confronts her son and changes him and makes him come to the to the light side? Like, how can that happen if she can't? If they're using like deleted scene footage from two movies ago? Like, I, I understand the challenge, mm-hmm. but 
if you're going to do it, it has to be clear what's happening and why it's happening. And, and none of that is true. And so maybe just don't do it. Like, I feel like they were so committed to this idea that Leia is the one that turns Kylo back to Ben. We need to have that in this movie because clearly in earlier versions of the movie, the whole entire film was building up to that sort of like end of act two climax. So they, they were, they Mm -hmm. felt like they needed to have that, but it just doesn't work. And I feel like it would have been better if she had died off screen and then you have a, the first act of this movie about dealing with the grief of and of the loss of Leia and how that affects mm. both Kylo Ren, who never got the chance to reconcile with her, and our main characters, specifically Poe, who is a very long-standing relationship with Leia and who will likely be yeah. thrust into command as a result. And Ray, who you could say did all of the things off screen with her and like trained with her and everything else. You can say that that happened off screen and that that helped foster and deepen that bond. And so now you have a really compelling act one, which like, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a bummer, but it can actually have like an emotional resonance to it. And it could unite these characters and divide these characters in interesting ways. Like, I don't know. That yeah. seems like a great potential for story. When, and you don't have to reanimate the the corpse of poor Carrie Fisher in the process. Yeah, that could have been like the opening of the film. Like Leia has just died, and like we we could open with a shot of Ray in tears uh, at Leia's deathbed. You know. Yeah, and like that's gonna be sad. Mm. But you know what? Everybody, the fandom is sad that she's dead too. I I don't I don't see why they couldn't have done that. And then, and, and then you don't need the, and then you don't need the emperor because it's it. like now Kylo, Kylo is just like lashing out even more because his mom's dead and now he feels like he can't be redeemed. But now this darkness is all, but that also the fact that it affects him so much gives the audience like an ounce of proof that like he, there is like good in him still that he was still connected yeah. to her. Like it, you could have done so mm. much with that setup. Like it, it would have, I just think it would have been much more emotionally resonant and much more consistent with the characters that we have established for two seats for two, uh, <laughs> for two episodes. <laughs> and it's not like I could, e- I could imagine ways where you could have some sort of apparition of the emperor appear and still have that make thematic resonance, you know, like a, a last gasp of, you know, the, the past that needs to be pushed aside. And but that's what I thought when I, well, okay. I actually tried to avoid a lot of the promotional material for this, at least as much as I could. And when I heard like the emperor's voice, I was like, Oh, like maybe he'll be like in like a cami, like, like not necessarily a flashback, but like, like an echo or, you know, maybe like an appearance in ghost form or something. Uh, but not like a major part of the movie. Not like he was going to be like the primary antagonist of this film. And, you know, then I think before I even saw the movie, I heard that he was supposed to be, you know, in the flesh. And I was just like, what? Uh, so, yeah, I, I wonder if in relying so much on these older characters who we either love or are just very familiar with. To me, I feel like this series is, has been strongest when it's focused on the newer elements. And um, I'm hoping oh, if yeah. they do, I've heard rumors that there might be like a, a new trilogy that take place in like the old Republic, which I'm like, great. Like just start all new, start with like, make us care about these characters and then we can see how they echo through the universe in a thematic way. So Now I have a question. So, 
there was a lot of in the whole like uh, postmortem on this movie. There was a lot of like, well, mm-hmm. they had such a hard task because they needed to conclude this trilogy and then also conclude the full Skywalker saga of all nine that's movies. Cool. They did not need like, to do that. I, well, that's my question. Is like, <laughs> I never got the sense that this movie was gonna have to do that. Did you? Like, I, it seems like. No, I never expected that. Justin, like, how do you Um, feel about that idea that, like, they need... Because, obviously, bringing back the Emperor is all about being, like, it was all connected, it's all one story, and this is the giant conclusion, because he was the bad guy in the first trilogy, he's the bad guy in the second trilogy, so, of course, he has to come back and be the ultimate bad guy in this trilogy. Like, is, like... Uh, that was not what I thought I was watching for the last two movies. And so I'm curious, yeah. like, if that's how you feel or if you were glad that this happened or like, it just seems so bizarre to oh, me. No. So I'm curious what you guys think. No, that was projection. It was people placing expectations on the movie that never should have been placed on it. Yeah, I I mean, I'm sure incorporating the name Skywalker in the title probably didn't do them any favors. But maybe it's because I'm not so connected with the prequel trilogy, but like, I wonder if just the fact that this is, at least by some people, is assumed to be like the final chapter of the main episodes. I guess that was part of the reason why there was this expectation there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, to me, it's almost like immaterial just because it doesn't conclude this trilogy very well (laughs) so um, yeah, you know, whether it resolves that other thing. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I necessarily had that expectation. I did sense that a lot from other people. I don't know if it's just because it's episode nine and it started with episode one. Yeah, it just it seemed to me that like you could just as easily say that like a movie that puts to rest the main cast of the original trilogy, like that, like so by the end of this film, like they're all either gone or retired or their story has concluded and this new generation has risen up and like this, we've established a new world. Like, I don't know why that couldn't have just been how you conclude the Skywalker saga. Like, I don't see why you need to have the big bad of the first two series of films just come up and be like, see, like, he was behind everything again. Like, I, and to your point, like they obviously didn't layer that into the other two movies. Like, I don't think that you need to have this big giant plan. And I think a lot of the times that gets a bit overstated when people talk about it. It, It's like, Oh, we were intending everything from the beginning. Like most (laughs) of the time that's not true. And when, when producers really hold to that, it almost always fails because it doesn't let films breathe and evolve. And it doesn't allow its creators to kind of move with the, with the way that the fans are reacting and the way that the other films are entering into the world. Like, I mean, Mm. Certainly, we saw with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like, you know, a 23 movie saga, right? Except that that's completely just, like, nonsense marketing and, like, Kevin Feige spin. Because there's tons of deviations within those films. There's Most of them do not contribute to a single arc. Uh, They just build on top of each other in interesting ways. And they get rid of the things that don't work and they add new things that do and, you know... Thanos yeah. was this ultimate bad guy. He's not in the present. He's not in the background of every movie of those twenty three movies. He factors into like three yeah. movies, four movie stops. And I say all that to say, like, you don't need to have this 
massive overarching plan that like every movie yeah. was planned out ahead of time and and there's no deviations you just need to be able to take what comes and build off of it like uh the last jedi did that they subverted expectations but in mm -hmm. subverting expectations they were still building on what came beforehand the rise of skywalker doesn't subvert yeah. expectations it just completely throws in like a bunch of new stuff and also redoes a lot of stuff and resets status quos that had previously been destroyed it's like there's no organic quality to this storytelling it's extremely like herky-jerky like the first 25 yeah. minutes of the movie was just like my head was spinning because it was just like oh that thing's not real that thing doesn't matter this person doesn't matter this doesn't matter this that you thought was real isn't real this is what was really happening it's like what like i've never seen like it read like <laughs> it read like fan fiction because it just totally just reset the status quo in really uh, obnoxious and in and inelegant ways like this is this is bad. This is the bad kind of fanfic where people are just throwing stuff at you're throwing darts at a board. Um and it's like that's I think that adaptability, the fact that Marvel was able to subtly change and adapt with the times is crucial because I think the Marvel movies got better over time and overwhelmingly I tend to prefer the later Marvel movies to the earlier ones because of the fact that they were able to build on what came before but also were attuned to okay, this aspect we should change, more of this, less of that, and the films reflected that. That was a similar, I, I had a similar issue, you know, back when I still watched Doctor Who, you know, the, each each season felt progressively more bound to, and there has to be some form of overarching plot or big threat within this season. And somehow every episode has to tie back into that, or almost every episode, you know? Hmm. And like that's not what the doctor's for. Just tell a good, fun, funny story, and we're gonna be there for it. All right. Well, I feel like we're kind of wrapping up. Uh, any any remaining thoughts on this film? Well, um, appropriate given the film that we're talking about, uh, the name Rose Tico has not come up yet. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> crap. Right. No. That's yeah. And that's just an important thing to to discuss. I mean, it barely before. came up in the movie. Well, so, yeah. Exactly. You know. No, I think <laughs> the, the 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 disappearance of Kelly Marie Tran is, in my opinion, like that's the biggest sin that this movie commits. Like for me personally. Well, it's just another case of not building on what they had in this in this trilogy. I mean, did you hear the one screenwriter was like, oh, no, we told a complete arc for her story in her one minute of screen time. Well, Chris, so Chris Terrio was on was has been on an interview circuit as of late trying to explain the movie that he wrote, uh, which is always a good sign in terms of quality. Uh, and he no, no, you're meant to be confused. He said that like that his explanation for what happened with Rose was that they wanted someone like a core member of the cast to stay behind with Leia because Leia couldn't go out into the world because obviously she's not really in the film. So they wanted to have one core character anchor those scenes, and that was going to be Rose. And then a lot of those scenes were cut because she was just the 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 Leia um, character was just not able to execute in those scenes the way that they were hoping that they would be able to execute. Um, but I don't fully buy that as spin because... For one thing, Kelly Marie Tran was quoted before the movie was released saying how excited she was for 
her the scenes that she got to do with Ray, which are not in the film at all. And then also mm. they have, mm. you know, our 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 good friend from the Lord of the Rings and uh and Lost, uh who is who is an actual friend of JJ. Uh he pops up uh having never been in a, one of these movies and gets Dominic Monaghan. Dominic Monaghan, exactly. And he gets a bunch of lines that ha- that could have easily gone to Rose and they're just like exposition lines and at least she would have then felt like the core person at the home base like but she doesn't even get to do that because they cast this guy for no reason (laughs) and and he has a very he has a fun anecdote interview that came out where he was like where he called JJ and begged him to be in the movie and JJ told him that if his uh soccer team won the match against JJ's soccer team then he would give him a part uh and then he did oh so then he gosh. got a part <laughs> wow so wow nepotism at its finest that's that's almost like conditional nepotism <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I not that I have anything against that guy but, but there's just you know. no like he doesn't have a character I don't know what his name is I don't think anybody knows his name there's no function for him in the, the first place and like he says maybe like two or three other things like just let Kelly Marie have like four extra lines of dialogue at least yeah like like he's on he's on the same level as like the background lesbian that apparently was in oh. this yeah we didn't mention that at all either yeah, well, because we were uh, going off of the Singapore cut and it didn't happen so, uh, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, yeah, didn't not even that tiny scene made international distribution in some places. Uh, well, uh, but yeah, it was just it's disappointing. Let, let's agree right now, whatever Kelly Marie Tran does next, let's just stand the hell out of it and like give her the due that she should have gotten. Yeah, and like I don't necessarily believe 100% that like JJ was like, oh, all the racists on Twitter don't like her, so we're going to keep her out of the movie. Like I don't, I, yeah. I respect him too much as a person to believe that that's the choice that he made specifically. But I do think there was probably pressure somewhere to be like, well, this character didn't really work as well. And she's also not one of the characters that I made. And so I don't really care as much about working it with her. And and then I do think that probably some scenes from the base camp got cut. And then it just all of a sudden she's just not in the movie at all. But it's like it's so that's that's a bad explanation for a character that a lot of people really latched on to and really cared about. It's like maybe don't like because they had this whole thing where like he she couldn't go with Finn because Finn had to meet this girl who was also like him. Well, uh, a, a child soldier who was kidnapped and thrown into the First Order as a stormtrooper. Right. But that whole plot line clearly was supposed to be much bigger than it ended up being the whole like child soldier kidnapped stormtrooper plot line because it just Mm. because they also make reference to it at like that planet where carrie russell is from where they they reference the fact that the first order is kidnapping kids and it just it seemed like there was definitely like a larger point of that in the background somewhere that just got it just got cut for time i guess and so now you have like so you have finn and rose broken up to tell this story that is only partially told in the first place meanwhile rose Mm. is is someplace else and her story is getting cut and i think that it it speaks really significantly to the fact that this movie was just a mess like that the script wasn't well developed ahead of time and that they had to get rid of a bunch of stuff in the editing room because it didn't work because they just it was just a messy movie and that's just not good you know like that is just indicative (laughs) of a bad process and a rushed production and ultimately a bad film yeah and we know from experience with star wars that when the fan base is loud enough about really really liking certain characters 
the you know the powers that be making Star Wars will bend over backwards to bring back more of that character or that thing in future movies, even in cases where it's actually not merited and that character shouldn't be there. Like the Emperor? Well, like the Emperor. And I'm thinking of Boba Fett, where like the the universe, the different canons have gone to insane lengths to keep Boba Fett around to keep him relevant. Or Darth Maul, like they did the same thing with Darth Maul, where he was like, he was really cool, and then he died, yeah. so let's bring him back as a gangster, I guess, with, like, <laughs> spider legs, right? I don't know, I don't watch the cartoons. Yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. But, you know, those were all cool, badass characters, and that's not what Rose was, so it's easy to overlook why people would like her. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my final thought. All right, kids, final thoughts. Everyone go watch the original 2D Star Wars animated Clone Wars series because it's very good. That's my final thought. It's available on YouTube. <laughs> Completely legal. <laughs> Everybody, like, come, go on Twitter, like, organize a time where, like, you go on it one day and then you go on it the next day just so that he doesn't get pulled down. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm pretty sure it, it must be available on DVD somewhere. All right, folks, let's uh, let's talk about where we can find everybody. Uh, so let's start with you, Noah. Where can we find you? All my written stuff is up in my blog at francenoir.blogspot.com. Uh, as we are recording this, I am in the process of writing, topically, my definitive ranking of all nine of the episodic Star Wars movies. Oh, interesting. I look forward to reading that. As for me, you can find my work at thecinemaverick.com. I am also on Letterboxd at The Cinemaverick. Uh, you can uh, actually find my review of episode nine on my website. That's my most recent article. Uh, so yeah, check that out. And let's go to you, Alex. Uh, so also, quick final shout out to John Williams. He really brought it for the whole trilogy. His music was excellent. It was very real, well used. And I just wanted to, I couldn't let the, the review go without mentioning that um as for where you can find me uh you can find me on twitter at media thinkings and on letterbox at media thinkings where i have ranked the entire star wars uh saga including rogue one and and solo um spoiler alert this is really low on the list you guys <laughs> uh, and you can also Follow my work over at thepopbreak.com, where I've been recently named TV editor, so you can check out my stuff there. And as for Cinema Joes, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema Joes. Uh, Instagram is where you can find our exclusive visual companions to every episode. And you can listen to us on most of the podcast platforms. Well, thank you for that. And we want to thank all of our listeners and our subscribers. Uh, for the Cinema Joes, this is Justin signing off.